Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 155. Uh, I've actually uh, kind of made two titles for this. The first one is my own because it's not nearly as technical, and that is uh, Today's Basic Engine, The Changes It's Gone Through. The actual title of this article, which I will be reading from a trade magazine, uh, it sounds very technical. Um, I, I just I kind of thought this article is just really good for someone who wants to kind of understand some of the changes that you know, basic engine technology has gone through. So the actual t uh, uh, title of the article is How to Apply Diagnostic Logic to Engine Inputs and Outputs. <laughs> so that's why I came up with my own of today's basic engine, the changes it's gone through. So uh, anyway, it sounds real technical, but I, I just I really think this is going to be a good one for someone who wants to kind of have a brief history of uh you know the technology that engines have gone through over the years um so it's uh that's why i decided to make a podcast out of it um this one is comes from a trade magazine called underhood service and it was written by andrew markell so i want to give him credit obviously <clears throat> and as usual the normal commercials real quick ahead of time if you ever want to get a hold of me via email it's bkpodcast5 at uh gmail.com wow brain fade there for a minute um, so yeah bkpodcast5 at gmail.com and again um, the uh, podcast can be gotten uh, the main supplier is podbean.com that's brad kyle's motorworks podcast and uh, if you want to become a uh, uh, subscriber or patron and uh, support the podcast <clears throat> if you go to that web page um, you'll see on the upper right hand corner there's uh, become a patron click on that and uh, you can subscribe whether it be ongoing or one month and that's it and uh, I'm asking for five dollars a month you can give less you can give more you can do it continuously ongoing or you could just uh, you know uh, subscribe for one month <clears throat> the main <clears throat> boy excuse me uh, the main thing is that by subscribing, it opens up about 12 to 15 episodes that I've done in the past that if you apply the information that I uh, hopefully uh, give you and enlighten you with that in your automotive life, uh, ownership life, and so on and so forth, I know you'd be able to save uh, thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars over your life and uh, hopefully reduce some frustration if there is any in regards to car ownership and so on and so forth. So hopefully that, uh, you know, means something to you, and uh, you can take advantage of that if you so choose. So let's, um, let's get started on this one. So again, how to apply diagnostic logic to engine inputs and outputs. Sometimes while diagnosing a drivability problem, you can be blinded by the numbers. Fuel trims, misfire counters, and grams per second can confuse and lead you down a diagnostic rabbit hole if you do not understand what is going on inside the combustion chamber when the air and fuel are burned. Understanding what comes out through the exhaust valve is critical to solving any emissions or drivability problem. It may seem basic, but when applied properly, it can make solving sensor-related problems a lot easier. Compression ratios. 
The internal combustion engine will never be perfect, but we are getting very close. Over the past 25 years, engines have advanced not only in terms of emissions, but power. Modern engines have leaner combustion events that would have destroyed engines made less than a decade ago. These cylinder pressures were not made possible with forged pistons or exotic materials, but by moving the fuel injector port into the cylinder and perfecting the combustion event. Some naturally aspirated engines have a 12 to 1 compression ratio. These are four-cylinder engines in everyday cars. In 1964, the 426 Chrysler Hemi had only a 10.25 to 1 compression ratio. A 1960s engine builder could build a Hemi with a 12 to 1 compression ratio engine. Still, it would be a slave to race gas and could destroy the engine in a heartbeat if it ran too lean or rich. In a modern engine, 12 to 1 can be achieved with pump gas and cast pistons, all the while having very low emissions and an 80,000 mile or more emissions warranty. So what has changed? Engineers know more about what happens inside the combustion chamber than ever before, thanks to high-speed cameras and computer models. Also, the computing speed of micro microprocessors is a lot faster than 15 years ago. The module can make changes to the spark and fuel faster while processing more sensor inputs than ever before. This evolution has made for the almost perfect combustion event. Almost. <clears throat> That's in bold letters. We're not perfect yet. What is perfect? The perfect internal combustion engine would put the exact amount of fuel and air into the combustion chamber. The spark kernel would reach its peak when the mixture was properly stirred up and the piston was in the right position. The flame front would spread evenly. If the perfect combustion event happened, you would get nothing more than water and carbon dioxide as byproducts. There would be no unburned fuel or oxygen. It would also occur at the right temperature so oxides, hyperactive oxygen turned on by higher temperatures, would not combine with nitrogen and carbon to form nitric oxides, what's known as NOx, and carbon monoxide, or what's known as CO. This perfect car would not need any emission control device. We are not there yet. In the meantime, we have exhaust gas recirculation systems, known as EGR, secondary air injection, and catalytic converters. Ignition systems. Coils have changed. On distributor systems, the spark had to make a jump from the cap and rotor. How and when it jumped could change due to the condition of the contacts. Modern ignition systems use individual coils. Instead of being timed with a cap and rotor, the coil is controlled digitally. This opens up a lot of options for timing in multiple sparks. EGR systems. EGR systems put a small amount of inert gas into the combustion chamber to control the temperatures. Since exhaust gases do not typically burn, this lowers the combustion temperature and reduces NOx emissions from the engine. When things heat up in the combustion chamber to temperatures around 1300 to 2500 degrees, excuse me, 1300 degrees Celsius or 2500 degrees Fahrenheit, oxygen and nitrogen nitrogen combine with each other and form NOx and CO. By putting exhaust gases into the chamber, the air-fuel mixture is watered down by the inert gases. This slows the combustion process and lowers combustion temperatures to levels where NOx does not form. Vehicles with, vari vehicles with variable valve timing on both exhaust and intake camshafts can adjust the timing so that a small amount of exhaust gas is sucked back into the chamber during the intake stroke through the exhaust valves. 
This is done by actuating the timing of the camshafts. Modern engines have been able to advance and retard camshafts faster, and the actuators have a greater degree of rotation. Secondary air injection systems. The problem with the perfect combustion event is that it has to occur over a wide range of engine and air temperatures. Engines still have a difficult time starting and controlling emissions under cold starts. Secondary air injection systems pump outside air into the exhaust stream so unburned fuel can be burned. Early systems had a belt-driven air pump. The latest systems use an electric motor. Catalytic converters. If an engine was able to achieve the per perfect combustion event, you would not need a catalytic converter. But, until this happens, these expensive emission devices are mandatory. Under ideal conditions, a three-way catalyst can reduce somewhere between 50 and 95% of NOx emissions and 99.9% .9 of the unburned fuel. It is the last stop for pollutants, and if an emission system's upstream sensors are compromised, it can only compensate so much before tailpipe emissions increase. <clears throat> Excuse me. Diagnostic logic. Modern engines are able to operate on the ragged edge between detonation and ultimate fuel efficiency because they are able to sense, control, and adapt. The sensing part means that there are more sensors on the vehicle like upstream and downstream oxygen sensors. These sensors are more sensitive and can show a lot more resolution. Also, the modules processing the information can use the information quickly for fuel trims, spark curves, and valve timing. Controlling the combustion event has become easier with variable valve timing, electronic ignition, and direct injection. These technologies ensure the correct air-fuel mixture is in the combustion chamber and ignited at the optimal time to achieve the most efficient and powerful combustion event. The diagnostic crutches of swapping parts like spark plug wires, sensors, and other components will not typically work, and the customer will lose faith in you long before you get a second try. Gathering and analyzing data from the vehicle and service publications has a lot more value than going off of hunches. So that was that one, kind of a quickie, but like I say, it kind of sounded technical, but um, I think it really helps you to, to understand, uh, you know, what technicians go through. And certainly any, any technician knowing what I just talked about and, and understanding that and, and learning it, like from reading articles like that, um, they're going to be better able to, you know, properly diagnose and fix your car. So now you know, too, um, you know. And again, the, the beauty is, is that uh, you knowing what I just talked about uh, certainly doesn't mean that you have to know it to be able to drive your car and get all the benefit of it, okay? But, you know, the idea being is that you just hopefully have a little bit better understanding of what a good technician knows or hopefully knows or certainly what they have, information they have available to them. So it's really just a matter of whether they, uh, in my mind, care enough to take the time to read this stuff and understand it and apply it in their normal day-to-day -day work as far as in repairing cars. So hopefully you found it uh, enlightening and uh, you weren't bored to death. Uh, <laughs> your eyes aren't rolled back in your head or anything like that right now because you're just kind of going like, what? Anyway. <clears throat> well, I appreciate you listening. I hope you get something you got something out of that one. Um, you know, like I say, it was a technical article, but um, I think there was a lot of good stuff there. So anyway, appreciate your time. Appreciate your listening. Again, uh, email is bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. 
and uh, if you want to catch me there as well. And uh, I appreciate your time. Appreciate your listening. I hope you got something out of it. Hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you. And thank you again.